The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of Aussie-made on-demand videos to help you look to God daily. Be challenged by a series of apologetic interviews produced by Creation Ministries International and inspired by Helping Hands, which showcases people and organisations who make the world a better place. There are new videos being added every week in the free Vision Christian Media app. Just tap the Watch tab to see the growing selection. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Right now, God is looking for people to work through. God's looking for a man. God's looking for a woman. He's looking for someone that he can say, I'll work through, I'll be strong on behalf of. Would you be that person? You may be just the person God is looking for. Today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie invites you to say yes to God's plan for your life. God chooses to work through people. Would you be willing to step forward and say, yeah, Lord, you can use me. This is the day when the lost are found. Churches may have been closed for the last little while, but remember back to when we attended church in person. We were greeted by somebody, passed an usher or two on the way to our seat, be led in worship and then taught from God's Word. Now that's a lot of people who've made themselves available for all that to happen. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie wonders what you're willing to do for somebody else. It's an encouraging message on how we can say yes to service for God. Nehemiah and the title of my message is Wall Builders. Now let's sort of pick up where we last left off and then we'll uh, talk about chapter three. Uh, Here's the narrative. Israel continued to worship false gods and idols. The Lord warned them through the prophets to stop or they would go into captivity. God was very specific about what would happen to them but still they ignored it. So one day the Lord allowed the people of Israel to be divided after the death of King Solomon and then a group of them were taken as captives into Babylon which interestingly was like idol central. God's everywhere. The Lord said, you want false gods? Here you go, enjoy. Like putting a kid in a candy shop and after a little bit of candy you feel sick to your stomach. So there they were in this land of idols and they cried out to God to be delivered. And after 70 years, the Lord answered their prayer. Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of Babylon, passed it on to his grandson Belshazzar who was conquered by the Medo-Persian forces that came in. Cyrus, the leader of the Medo-Persian Empire, let the first wave of Jews return to Jerusalem. And led by the priest Ezra, they rebuilt the temple. But some time had elapsed and the walls were still lying in rubble and ruin. Enter the man for the hour, Nehemiah. Listen, God will do his work in his way, in his timing, but God chooses to work through people. So the Lord was searching for the right person for the job. There's always a right man or a right woman 
for the job. And the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 16:9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Listen to this. Right now, God is looking for people to work through. God's looking for a man. God's looking for a woman. He's looking for someone that He can say, I'll work through, I'll be strong on behalf of. Would you be that person? Would you be willing to step forward and say, yeah, Lord, you can use me. I don't bring a lot to the table, but I'll give you what I have. I mean, trust me when I tell you, I had very little to offer to the Lord uh, when he called me to serve him. So anything that has come out of this ministry has certainly been from him. Enter Nehemiah. Now he has a killer job. He's the cupbearer of the king, which meant he was able to eat the best food in all of the world. See, whenever the king ate, he took a bite first. Whatever the king drank, he took a sip first. A good job, unless someone put poison in it, then it's over, okay? <laughs> good while it lasted, at least. But he was living literally in the lap of luxury. He had a wonderful position there in close proximity to the king. He was more than just someone who tasted the king's food. He gave the king advice. Some even believed he was the second most powerful man in the world because he would have some say-so over who had access to the king. He would influence the king. So this is not a job you would want to jeopardize, but yet the Lord calls him. And here's how it happened. Some friends came and visited from out of town and just like you do when you get together with friends, how are things? How's everyone back in the old hometown? And, and they're saying, man, it's bad, Nehemiah. The place is in ruin. The walls are crumbling. There's weeds growing over the walls. They're burned out, they're charred. It's an embarrassment. And Nehemiah's heart was deeply moved and he decided to take action. And he began to weep. But listen, after his weeping came working. After his despair came determination. But he cared. You're not gonna do anything for anybody if you don't care about them. So you need to first pray for compassion. Lord, help me see this person as you see them. Far too often we see non-believers as the enemy. And they're not the enemy. They do things that non-believers do. They are profane and, and they're selfish and they're self-absorbed and, and they hurt us or insult us. And we go, I hate those non-believers. They're not the enemy. They're under the control of the enemy. The Bible says that the God of this world, that would be the devil, has blinded the eyes of those that do not believe. So you need to care about them and remember, it wasn't that long ago you used to be one of them. Nehemiah cared and he cared enough to take action. Now he could have set up a GoFundMe page, I suppose. <laughs> but he decided to go to the king and request the money. So basically, as I said before, he went to the king and said, I'm gonna build a wall and you're paying for it. <laughs> but he prayed first. He prayed that the king would go along with this crazy plan that would cost a lot of money. But he also had a plan. And one of the things I love about Nehemiah is the practical and the spiritual go hand in hand. Here's a guy who prayed about things but always had a plan in his back pocket. Okay, if the king says yes, I already know where to get the lumber. I know where to go to get this other thing. I have it all set up but I'm gonna pray. And he went to the king and requested it. And amazingly, the king granted his request and even sent 
an armed escort. So Nehemiah leaves Babylon. He arrives in Jerusalem. It's probably worse than he imagined. The walls truly are in rubble. He checks it out. And then he rallies the people who've been there for some time now. People who've really not done their job, to be honest. And he says, guys, the Lord is calling us to rebuild the walls. Let's do this together. They all agree, bringing us to the point I left off with in our last message. When you're doing God's work, you will face opposition. When you're doing God's work, you'll face opposition. Nehemiah 2, verse 19. When Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously, saying, what are you doing? Listen, whenever God's people say, let's rise and build, the devil and his forces will say, let's rise and oppose. Whenever you're pursuing a divine opportunity, there will be satanic opposition. In fact, now I know when I'm doing something God wants me to do, I will face criticism. I will face opposition. I'll have people second guess it. I expect that. In fact, if I don't see that, I say, maybe this isn't a good idea. Because that's almost a way of having it confirmed to me. Remember years ago, we had this idea to go to Dodger Stadium and do a crusade. People said, oh, you, you can't do Dodger Stadium. I mean, you can do that down there at Angel Stadium. But LA is a whole different planet. Someone even said to me, Dodger Stadium is the graveyard of evangelists. <laughs> because everyone that's gone there and tried to do an evangelistic event has failed. It doesn't work in LA. Forget about LA. Now I have to tell you something. When someone says something to me like that, it's a little bit like the red cape in front of the bull. <laughs> and they say it can't be done. I think, well, can't it? Or can it? Maybe this is more of an issue is it won't be done, but can it be done? With God, all things are possible. So we prayed, we planned, we did everything to make that event a success, and we filled Dodger Stadium, and so many people came forward at the invitation. The fire marshal had to lock the doors. We've never had that happen before. The field was filled with people coming to Christ. The same is true for AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. That, that was big. I have to admit to you, I was, I was overwhelmed by that one. I didn't realize how much pressure I was under uh, before that event until after the event ended and the pressure was relieved. I thought, man, I've been living under this pressure for so long. I'll tell you this much, it improved my prayer life because it seats 100,000 people, one of the biggest stadiums in America. But you know, I was so excited before the event even started when someone said, it's filled and we're turning people away. See, here's what it comes down to. If you want to do something for God, there's potential for failure and there's also potential for success. There's no success without risk. There's no success without opposition because Satan hates what we do. He hates gospel preaching. And that's why we're gonna keep preaching the gospel and keep it at the forefront of everything that we do. Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And he's speaking about the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls in the book of Nehemiah. Let's continue. It's a message called Wall Builders. Here now is Nehemiah getting his battle plan together. We see three vital principles in play here. If you're taking notes, here they are. Investigation, cooperation, 
and determination. Investigation. First he checked out the problem. Okay, here's how big the city is. Here's what it's gonna take. Here's how many people I'm gonna need to get the job done. Okay, I've investigated it. Now, cooperation. Let's put the team together. Let's get the right people in the right places and tell them what their job is. Finally, determination. We're not gonna be deterred. Defeat is not an option. And that brings me to my next point. We need to find our place in the work that God is doing. We need to find our place in the work that God is doing. Now before I read uh, Nehemiah 3, I want you to know it has the potential to be boring because it's a lot of names. If you've read through the book of Nehemiah, how many of you have read the whole book of Nehemiah? Raise your hand up. Very good, good. How many of you have not read the whole book of Nehemiah yet? Okay, it's okay. Just read it. Read it before next Sunday. Read it. But here's what's going to happen. Nehemiah 1. Oh, this is great. Nehemiah 2. This is awesome. Nehemiah 3. What? Lots of names. Lots of names and what they did. But remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Even lists and even genealogies. Right? They're all there for a reason as we will see in a moment. Let's read a few verses, Nehemiah 3. This is a little bit like the credits at the end of the film. You know, unless you were in the film, you don't care. But they're rolling, and these matter to God, and they should matter to us. Verse one, then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel, Two people from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hanessa, and then they laid the beam, set up its doors, installed its bolts and bars, and Miramoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside them were Meshulam, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Meshachizabel and Zadok of Bana. <laughs> okay. Really? Really? Yeah, really. There's a lot here. The phrase next to him and after him are mentioned 28 times in the chapter. What does that mean? They worked together. These are different kinds of people. Uh, these are not builders. See, we think these are construction people. By the way, I'm very impressed with anyone who's good at construction. Anyone who's good at building things. You know, I, when I go into a hardware store, I get all excited. Look at all this cool stuff. I want to build something, but I have no skills whatsoever. It's like there's a missing gene in me or something. I can't do it. I make things worse. And, and when I meet someone who can repair a car, or, or oh, I'm gonna you know, put wiring in here or throw this wall up or put up the drywall. It all is so impressive to me. These are not construction people to the point Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He wasn't an architect or a builder. And so some of these people were priests and some of these people were goldsmiths, Nehemiah uh, 3.8. Some were perfumers, Nehemiah 3.8. Merchants, uh, 3.32. They were rulers, workers, groups from different towns and different classes. You have men and women, young and old. Everyone needed to participate for this job to be done. The same is true of the church. B.C. Forbes, the founder of Forbes magazine, once said, 
Here's how you spell success. You probably think you spell success S-U-C-E-S-S. That's not how you spell success. Here's how you spell success. You spell it T-E-A-M-W-O-R-K. If we want to get something done, we do it together. Practical insight today from our study of Nehemiah's rebuilding campaign. The message is called Wall Builders. And because we live in a time when so many people have had their faces buried in their smartphones and so many trapped in technological cocoons, we urge you to listen again next time as Pastor Greg guides us to relearn the importance of engaging with others and working together as a team for the glory of God. Now, before we go today, though, Here he is with another observation about the team that we're part of, the body of Christ. Listen, the church is a family. The church is also an army. And the church is compared to a body. Everyone has a part to play. Ephesians 4.16 says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. (laughs) See, everybody has a role to play. Every one of you has a role to play. Okay, I I need a few of you to help me. Who wants to come and stand on the stage? Pastor Paul, could you come up right now? And sir, I don't know your name. What is your name? Could you come up, Michael? I need you now. And uh, come on up the stage. Come on up the stairs over here. Okay, I need uh, this lady here on the aisle, ma'am, there in the blue. Would you come up, please, as well? All right, and I need, who else do I need? I need someone, ma'am, would you second in right there? I stood next to you when we did worship in the tan sweater. You coming up as well? I want this really cool kid with blonde hair. That cool kid, come on up here, buddy. Okay, everybody here. Come on up. Come on up. Okay, what is your name? Landon. I like that. What's your name? Judy. Come on over here. I stood next to you during worship. How are you? Fine. I noticed. Marcel. Okay, Marcel. Okay, you coming up here and Paul stand in the middle. Now, These are all very different people. They're different ages, men and women, large and small. And they all have a role to play in the church. Every one of them has a part of the wall that they build. These people are just like you. We all have a part to play. Say, oh, my part doesn't matter. No, it matters. Because see, if, if one part of the wall breaks down, see, maybe if Michael kind of is a little bit of a slacker, though we doubt he would be, and he doesn't keep his part of the wall built up, that's an opening that could be broken into. But Landon, man, his part is fortified. No one's getting through Landon's part. Pastor Paul, he's like sleeping. Okay, that's a problem. And so we have to wake Paul up and say, we need your part of the wall built up because if any part of the wall is broken down, it's not gonna work. So we're all in this together. Let's thank these folks for coming up. Thank you, God bless you. Every one of us has a part to play. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Wall Builders. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.